0: Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. It, it is a treat to be with you. Kindred spirits, thinking about really important things. But, but for you to be thinking about it, is it always this nice in northern Kentucky? It, it is, this is. As far as I can tell, this is, this is the way it is all the time. But I'm guessing that your season's change and it's not always this beautiful. Kindred spirits who are willing to sacrifice a, a beautiful evening. And, uh, and then what's the weather like tomorrow, do you know? Same thing, and, and, and many of us sacrificing the day tomorrow to think about things that are so important. So it, it's, it's just really a treat for me to be with you. I, I think what I'm going to do is, is, is I, I'm going to introduce my family just a little bit more because I'm guessing that I'm going to speak about them a few times, so, so it might be worthwhile for you to get just a little bit more detail. My wife's name is Sherry. We've been married 37 years I think she's a dandy. But the important thing about my wife is you should know that around 10 years ago, she gave me permission to say anything I wanted about her at any time. So I don't know exactly what stories I'll tell about her tonight, but I want you to know she's already authorized them. If they seem a little... Uh, she's fine with them, I promise you. Uh, i been married for 37 years, fine woman. Uh, I have two girls, as, as Brian mentioned. Uh, one of the girls is living with us right now. She's been living with us for a year, with her family, as, as they've been buying and selling, or selling and buying a house and rehabbing a house. Which means that we have the four children with us. So we have my, my daughter and her, in, her, in our sort of Cape Cod bungalow. Uh, my daughter and her husband, really, really fine, fine believers. And their four children, the four children, Adelaide is six the twin boys are four, and and the beast, the beast is two. Um, uh, and and I am sure that I will have some stories about about them because because I've been seeing them every single day for for the last year, and it's been it's been a great gift to both my wife and myself. Are you feeling in the mood for these things tonight? All right, yeah, I. I, I I got in the mood this morning when all of a sudden, I don't know what it was, but it's like this door opened up and all these things I'd forgotten that I was supposed to be doing. Uh, I found that I was supposed to be doing them. So I am, I am in the mood. The, there's, something, there's something very timely about our, our topic. We are, we are talking about something that, that everyone is, is talking about these days. Uh, have, you, have you noticed that that the, the national form of recreation is rest. Sleep is better than sex. You know, those, are, those are the titles of books that, that you're going to find now. Meditation. Uh, anything that somehow calms you and slows you down is, is become national pastimes. Also, wouldn't you say that you know, we, we, we don't want to be ignorant of history. We assume that people have been busy throughout history. Yet at the same time, wouldn't you say that there's something about this particular era that that, that compounds the busyness of life? You know, if for example, uh, we could blame electricity for, for most of it. Two years ago, my wife and I, we were, we were at home... And and the electricity went out. It was during the winter. We have some wires that go through woods, and those things happen. For four days, the electricity went out, and we have a we have a gas fireplace in the house that so we're able to to stay warm. And it was just exquisite. It was just exquisite. When when it got dark, we you know the fireplace would be on. We'd sit around the fireplace. We couldn't read. And we simply talked and prayed and went to bed early, woke up when the sun was up or before the sun was up. It was a completely different lifestyle than we're accustomed to. Something about lights have, have compounded the busyness of life. Now we can work longer. Something about television has compounded the busyness of life. You add a half hour onto every day if you're watching TV for a half hour, then obviously we're not going to be talking about this specifically. Maybe Jeremy will. But, but screen time has, has certainly complicated the, the busyness of life. You know, the, the amount of time we or our friends or our family or our children are, are staring at a screen every single day doing things that are, that are not essential to, to the details of the day. So, so the topic really is a, is a very timely one. Busyness is part of life. Yet there are things today, there are peculiarities of our present situation. It's as, if, it's as if there's these weights on our busyness, intensifying it that leads to the kind of crazy busyness that we're all somewhat familiar with. So there, there's, something, there's something unique about this time. But at the same time, isn't it true that, that here's what life is? It's, it's busy, and it's always busy. And, and there's nothing wrong with busy. It, it, we, it, one, of the, one of the most poignant, one of the saddest things that, that I've seen over the past year, my wife and I do mission trips to Africa during the summer, and we were, we were on a, a family, um, what's the word? Compound? It's not a compound. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Homestead. We were on a family homestead and, and there was a 35-year-old man sitting at the, at the door of his hut when we came in and, and he'd probably been sitting there the entire day because there was nothing to do. There, were, there, were, there was no cattle to care for. There was no water to, to bring anywhere. There was nothing to do. And better to do nothing because chances are he wasn't going to eat that day. The, to not be busy is a kind of curse. So, so we're, not, we're not arguing with the idea of being busy. We, 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 we think there's a certain blessing in that. What we're interested in are the things that accumulate on busyness. Essentially the things that cloak on top of the busyness of life that accentuate it and give it a very, very different quality. So that's, that's essentially what we're going to be doing this evening and, and, and even tomorrow. It's We're anticipating we're going to continue to have busy lives. But we we expect that somehow as we jettison those things, we'll call them anxieties this evening, as we jettison the anxieties of life, it will begin to feel a little bit different. For example, here's an anxiety of life. If you have a difficult relationship with, with a primary person in your life, a spouse a best friend, a, a child. It's, you can, if you have a busy life and you have that on top of it, it feels like a crushing life. On, on the other hand, if, if life seems overwhelming for me, yet my primary relationship, especially my relationship with my wife, is, is growing, and my relationship with Jesus is growing, it's, it's tolerable. It feels different. So, so what we hope to do is, 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 is essentially just envision this. We are people, we are walking around, and we, we, are, we are all experiencing the busyness of life. But on top of that busyness are weights that we are carrying. And our question is, how can, how can they be increasingly discarded for God's glory? The, the, the proof text for this probably would be 1 Peter chapter 5 i 'm sure you know the text, casting your cares on him because he cares for you and this is a This is a passage that has challenged me and troubled me for many years because it 's okay here are these, here, here are all these 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 anxious additions to life to to take them off and give them to christ it, I guess the challenge for me has been. Okay, I do that, but somehow they seem to boomerang right back and I'm carrying them around again. So I don't know how that exactly happens, but how do we grow in, in being able to, to, through Christ, and because of Christ, begin to take some of these things and these, these sacks that are weighing us down. So, so the stresses and busyness of life begins to feel a bit different. What I'd like to do first is I would like to consider a couple of Scripture. And, 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 and I'd like to consider Scripture that, that gives us a certain tone for how the Lord speaks to us about these weights that make life much more difficult. The tone of Scripture. So, so first we're going to look at the tone of Scripture and then we're going to look at some of the actual content. What does Scripture say to us? The tone of Scripture. It's, it's, it's the tone by which the Lord speaks to us in the midst of being weighted down. And it's the, the tone that we want to speak with one another as as we are identifying something that is profoundly human. This is something that everyone is familiar with. These These added weights to... to to the already challenges of daily life. Two passages. The the first one is the Sermon on the Mount passage, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to take the Luke 12 version of it. The second will be Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And and we're going to derive some of the content, what are the things that God says to us, but, but we're especially interested in how he says it. Luke chapter 12. The context is money and provision. Could you imagine, could you imagine the busyness of life where, where, where you were divested of worries about money? Could you imagine such a thing? Would life feel different with that alone? That's the context, of course, for this passage in Luke chapter 12. It goes like this. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. And, and, and here's actually a place where, where it gets a little bit thorny right, right off the bat. Don't be anxious. And then you say it again, and you say it again, and you say it again. Don't be anxious. It's, it, it's the imperative form. But the imperative form has a certain reach to it. Be careful. Be careful. How many times have I said that to my children and my grandchildren? And I don't intend it as, you are in big trouble if you're not careful. It's, I love you to death. <laughs> and, and I want life to go well for you today. And So be careful as you go through daily life. It's, so it, it's, the tone seems to be an imperative, but, but let's see how the scripture unfolds here. How does God speak to you when, when the weights of life are accumulating. Jesus says this, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. So far, so good. And now, what he's going to do is he's going to go for a walk with you. That's the, that's the feel of the passage. He's going, to, he's going to take you for a walk. And on that walk, he'll be pointing out different, different things and, and commenting on those. It's, it's come with me, he's saying. Come with me. Let's talk about these very important things. He begins by saying, you are of great value to me. You are of great value to me. The passage begins with the ravens. consider these ravens, and in you, the offspring of the living God have of categorically different value it's Just get the tone, just get the feel of of how Jesus speaks to you it it 's It's pastoral it's the kind of gentleness certainly a patience he leads with you must think that i forget about you sometime but you have such great value to me and he's just beginning the walk with you it's, i don't know how you might want to interpret the next one the next next thing he talks about is is the uh, the, the part about growing if, if, if you really work it, you think you can grow a little bit more tonight. Uh, it, it, I would suggest there's something a little bit tongue in cheek in that. If you don't have the power to do these things, you, you how how can you have the power to somehow manage these details of life that that are that are weighing you down? You have great value, but you do have very little power. You have power to be able to follow Christ. But to be able to make your world go the way you would like it to go, you don't have a whole lot of power, power with that one. He it continues. And by the way, perhaps in the back of your mind is, is a little bit of a thought that, that God might be a little stingy with you. Don't forget we're talking about money. And and then it moves to consider the lilies, how they grow. Which, which is another way of saying that, that he is the extravagant God. That, that he's not simply utilitarian. He doesn't simply want you to eke out some kind of existence. He is the extravagant beautifier. What that means in our lives, it, we, we don't know. It's, it, it's enough for us to... Just go on a walk and and hear him woo us and persuade us, calm our souls in some way. And then he gives us a bit of a bit of a mission, by the way. The the world worries about these things. And you're not part of the world, you're part of the kingdom. So this is really a very fine opportunity for you to somehow be a kind of light in this world around you. It's really very hopeful, isn't it? That, that somehow the one who is walking with you says there are ways that you can grow in being divested of these anxieties in such a way that people around you will see and perhaps inquire what we're looking for is, 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 is the content is, is, is attracting our attention. It's how does Jesus speak to you? How does he speak? And if there's any doubt, it, it should be answered with this. And this is why we're looking at the Luke 12 version rather than Matthew 6. There's one little addition in Luke 12. It goes like this. This is his conclusion. Fear not. Command form. Fear not, little flock. You you see the awareness that Jesus has. He's saying, I know how vulnerable you are. And and one of the things that will happen in Scripture, which which I find to be astounding, is he never minimizes the struggles of life. You're carrying around a certain burden. You say... You think you have a burden? Think of a person in Swaziland who's sitting in front of his hut all day without any food. You know, he would buck up. It's you will never find in scripture the God who somehow compares and contrasts your the hardships of life to somebody else and says, "Aren't yours really light in comparison?" Just the opposite. He, Don't be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid. You who are beloved, yet have little power in yourself. You who have reason to walk around feeling highly vulnerable in the world that feels out of control. Don't be afraid, little flock. Because your Father in heaven, he's not... He's not stingy or reluctant to give you the best of things. He delights to give you the very kingdom itself. Not just a portion of the kingdom, but all of it in Christ. Now, I understand this is a passage we all know. And of course, when we move to Scripture on anxiety, we're going to go to very familiar passages. So we're not anticipating necessarily new insights. We're capturing the tone. And the tone is... Keep walking with me. Keep walking. It's then he reasons with us in, in the midst of this walk with with gentleness, with with great with great sympathy for the plight that you have. This doesn't, doesn't, don't you find this somewhat helpful, even from the get-go, that, that it's not, cast your cares off, come on, what's wrong with you? It's, those anxieties, they, they just multiply. <laughs> and, and, and for good reason, little flock, let's go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. And in that walk, he, he tells us about ourselves <laughs> We're beloved and we're weak. He tells, about, tells us about himself, the extravagant beautifier who, who has great power. Who we see in other passages, he, his habit with, with weak little flock. What, you know what he's going to do next? It, it's, I'm, I'm borrowing from some, some passages in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. But, but here we are. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. Let's, just stick with me for a little while. And as soon as he says little flock, he does this. He comes down and he picks you up. And he holds you closer to himself. That's the key. That, you know, that, that, you know, that term little flock is you are vulnerable. And so he's going to come closer and closer and closer. And even hold you close to his heart. So before we hear all the details of what the Lord says... Just overhear how he says these things to us. Luke chapter 12. The second passage is Matthew chapter 11. And they're, they're overlapping passages. They, they, they both offer the same kind of tone, but spoken in a slightly different way. And for different occasions as well. The, the context for Matthew chapter eleven is not so much our fears and worries over over our finances. the The context is that there are arrogant leaders who are imposing their law god 's laws in their own way on the people in such a way that people feel broken. The weight of the law is is too much for them to carry and The leaders couldn't care less. So in Matthew chapter 11, this is a little bit of the background for the passage we'll read. This is Matthew 11. uh, uh, No, it's not Matthew 11. It's Matthew 23. The scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus says, they preach, but they don't practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay it on, on people's shoulders, and they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. It's, it's not so much the law of Moses that's, that's the problem. It's, it's the way they are imposing, the way they're interpreting, the way they are demanding certain things from the people that comes out of the particular way of understanding Moses. You feel like you can't go on. You feel like you, feel like you can't do one more thing. Everything is on you. You're the one responsible for everything. And your eternal life depends on it. That's, the, that's sort of the background of this Matthew 11 passage. And, and this is what he says. Come. Come to me. And, oh, and by the way, uh, for, for a Jew, when you hear an invitation... There's, there's another invitation that's echoing in the background. It's an invitation that comes on the heels of Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 55. Come, it says. Come, you who have nothing, come. And then it says it again, come. come. Come to this banquet. The only thing, The only thing that you bring to this banquet is nothing. It's not a potluck. You see, if it's a potluck, you share the glory of the banquet. You brought some good food. Other people brought some good food. But this glory will not be shared. So the one who is, who is inviting you to the banquet, he is doing it all himself for you. This is the way that he will bring glory to himself. The, the feature of that particular passage, which captures the, the Jewish ear, is... Is for, for Jews, there was, a, there was, there was, the, the cadences were important. And, and when you say something, you expect people to hear. But when you say it a second time, you're on the edge of your seat. Rarely is it said a third time. In, in, in the, when, you, when you go into the throne room of the king in Isaiah chapter 6, they sing holy, or they speak loudly, holy. But it's not just holy, it's holy. Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The entire earth is filled with his glory. There's something cumulative about, about the holy, then holy, then holy. In, in Isaiah chapter 55, it's the same idea, come. It's nice. This is God himself saying, come. And, and, and perhaps, perhaps there was a, there's something in the human heart that, that when somebody offers you an invitation to something really good, you're, the polite thing to do is refuse. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. No, thanks. And, and then they come back again. No, come. Come. It's another way of saying, I, I would del- I'd be delighted for you to come. I would be utterly delighted. And he says it a third time. It would be, my, it would be to my honor for you to come This feast that I have provided for you. That's that's what a that's what a Jew is overhearing when when Jesus speaks here. It's it's uh, it's a banquet, and Jesus is going to shift the picture just a little bit. Come to me. Come close. Come close. All who labor and are heavy laden, come close, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. yoked. The picture seems to be that Jesus is doing all kinds of heavy lifting. And, and he's saying indeed there is some heavy lifting in life. Uh, we are, but we, and he invites us to be yoked in partnership with him. So he's the one who's ultimately doing that heavy lifting. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In contrast to those who impose new laws and new burdens on you, in contrast to them, he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. What we're trying to do is, 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 is different things Scripture says, how we can divest ourselves of these anxieties. We'll get to that. Right now, we just want to enjoy the way he speaks them all. Come, let's take a walk. Come closer. Come closer, little flock. Come closer. And he says, I will speak to you with gentleness. And I will speak to you as one who comes under you rather than, rather than over you. There is, by the way, a in, in, right before this passage, it goes like this. Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven. This is Matthew 11:25, 25. That you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and you've revealed them to little children. So the little flock of Luke chapter 12, don't be afraid, little flock. The, the same image appears here. That those who are invited are coming as, as little children. So... Here's the criteria for this particular passage. The, the criteria for the first one, just go on the walk with him. Go on the walk. Listen to him. You'll be, you'll be amazed. Just, just go with him on a walk. This one, it's, do you feel burdened? Do, you feel, do, you, do you, feel like the, you feel like the busyness of life has all these added weights on top of it? Do you feel it? Do you feel, do you feel You get the sense that it all depends on you? You live life feeling like you are one constant failure and every day is going to reveal more of your failures? Well, you are the one who's being invited. Those who seem to be the successes in life, they do not have ears to hear. It's, It's only those who feel burdened. Curious the way sort of things get turned around it's all of a sudden sudden you who feel somewhat alone in life and burdened in life, you become really in the very center of of God's plan and his intent to reveal his power and his gentleness and his lowliness. You're feeling burdened? The invitation is to you. You feel... And and, and and here's the challenge: Will you be able to come as as a child? Will you be able to come as as a little flock? I have a granddaughter, uh, the oldest the oldest of the four who live with me right now, and and she knows everything, and she's in first grade now, and she's known everything for I think since she's been two. Uh, and and uh, so we asked her, some, some, a few months ago, we asked her some spelling word. And, and uh, it's just a way to poke a little bit. And, and she said, well, you, well, Addie, could you spell the word first? And she said, oh, I, I know how to spell the word. I'm just not going to tell you right now. Uh, so there, there, is a, there is a theory that is airtight. Okay? I know all things and nothing is going to challenge it. There's, uh, there's something, there's something about that that really is not very attractive, when she's in that sort of mode. Uh, here's something attractive. We were uh, we were at the beach this summer. Uh, the, the girl, both girls' families and ourselves, were able to go down, and and um, and I I, uh, I I know how to swim, and I, I swam fairly well when I was younger. Uh, and, and so this particular day, then the kids know that I'm the one who, who can help them in the water. It was a pretty strong undertow. The kids were, you know, at their, at their ankles and their knees, they were getting pushed over and, you know, getting intimidated by the water, and, and then, then Addie saw that I was going in, and all of a sudden, she just raced to me into the water. And, and we went out in, in, in fairly vicious, turbulent water. And she was just plain delighted. Because she can't swim a lick. She can't swim a lick. And she knows it. And she knows that I can. And, and she trusts me. The tone here. The tone is, is, is the God who... Who knows our frailty? Knows how it does feel like there's a child within, sometime, and and it just so happens that's it's one of the hardest things to become. In 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 many ways, our, our our life with Christ is one long aspiration to grow up to become like a child. That's, that's the challenge. So, so you might have the first criteria for hearing this particular tone. Feeling burdened and, and like a failure. The second one, not so much. You're still striving to try to make something happen and manage your world. Well, allow. Here's the tone. That the true humanity aspires to a childlike dependence. Dependence on another and that is immensely attractive (laughs) Uh, so got the tone it's it's this this invitation and he's not rebuking you for your weaknesses he's highlighting them and he's saying that's what it means to be truly human (laughs) a truly human doesn't manage his or her own world independently that is a myth to be truly human is to know you're one of the little flock, and then he calls us to rest. And, and at this particular point, it's probably it's probably important for us to point out that that to grow in these things is 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 a direction by which we walk. It's it's not a pill where somehow we, we try these passages on and we, we overhear the tone of the passage and we try it on and we expect everything to change. It's, you know, it's establishing trajectories in, in which we want to walk for the rest of our lives. There's a, there's a kind of persistence and endurance that we are aiming for as, as we hear this gentleness, this surprising gentleness and empathy that Jesus offers us in Scripture so it's not going to come quickly. But he says to us, come and rest. And, and, and his point here is not so much to identify the experience of rest for us. It, his point is, is really in contrast to those who lay burdens on your backs where, where it feels like you will never, ever be able to be a decent enough person to be accepted by God. In contrast to such people, he is the one who, who says he comes under us rather than over us. He's, he's the one who's identified as the God of... The, you know, I'm thinking of what, Exodus 32 here. His, 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 his clear declaration of who he is, even to, to abject failures. He says, I am the merciful The compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. The God who doesn't berate. I have a friend who has experienced some failures recently. and He says it's one thing to experience failures. It's another thing for everybody to remind you of your failures. (laughs) Well, if you wouldn't have done this, then everything would be okay. There's not a day that goes by where somebody doesn't identify those things the god who comes under and and who doesn't berate. he he doesn't come he comes under and he doesn't say i i told you so if you would have just listened it's it's this humility that, that he, the, the creator of uh, uh, of our very souls brings us humility and even comes under his people come you are burdened and heavy laden and he says, I am the rest giver. And 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 the rest is going to be whatever task is in front of you, he's going to empower you. He's, he's the one who's 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 got the, the, doing the heavy lifting. He will empower you to do the very things that he calls you to. He will never give you more than than you are able to handle. A certain partnership camaraderie or friendship which she's doing all the work this might be a bad illustration but i got to tell you about it anyway uh, one of the twins I told them I was going to be teaching them how to ride a bike uh, their, their father, is, he's working at odd times so it's hard for him to do it and I've had a bad leg so it's been hard for me to run but it was just starting to heal and so yesterday we, we took off the training wheels and and by the, did I tell you that my kids are living with me right now in a small house? So, so we were doing it in this room where there was not a whole lot of room. I had the bike; it was inside, and it was upside down. I was taking the training wheels off, and and I, I went, I, I went to find some tool somewhere, and by the, and I heard this crash, and the four-year-old had had, had he was gonna. Do something with a bike. He saw me doing something. He's going to do something with a bike. The bike crashed over and it was just this domino. It seemed like it went throughout the entire house. Uh, of, of, of the treatise and clutter that has been accumulating for the past year. And, and um, when I, I said, Jack, what happened? And Jack is a very sensitive soul. He's, he's especially sensitive to to my own, my personal disapproval. And the, the thing, what was, was such a pleasure for me. He wasn't crying. He wasn't cowering. He just simply said, Griffey, everything fell. <laughs> everything <laughs> fell. Isn't that a delight? He, he, he knew something about me that I wasn't going to berate him. And... And even though we were doing these things together, we were taking off the training wheels together, I was the one who was doing all the work. <laughs> and, and I was the one who was ultimately responsible for everything that was supposed to happen. And, and so when everything fell, he didn't feel bad at all, and it was, it was a delight for me in my relationship with, with my grandson. Jesus is saying, come, come. Criteria is that you feel burdens and and you're aspiring to be a child. And 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 here's the one you're coming to. You're coming to the one who who won't berate, who, who is who is doing all the lifting in the partnership. And and what's in view here is 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 Christ himself takes the law on himself. And, and he is the one who, who satisfies the law's requirements in his activity. And somehow, as we are, are you with me? And somehow, as we are united with him, it's as if we were the ones fixing the bike. We, it's, we share in, in his righteousness. It's justification by faith that is in view here. It's it's the, the, pharisaic, the, the pharisaic system, which it was one, one law after another, after another, after another, and you never feel like you've done quite enough. There's always more you gotta do. You're, you've got to do. You can never take a break. That's, that is the system that you live under when you are the one who has the yoke by yourself. And Jesus is saying, and there is this completely different system is coming and, and he himself will be pushing the yoke of the law and, and he will do it perfectly and, and we will share in his righteousness now, now, what are we suggesting it, it, it seems as though what, what Matthew eleven is suggesting is that we have a tendency. One of the you know, some of the things that we carry around on the already busy life is the kind of system of law, where 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 if we finally do it well enough, then he will be satisfied with us. If if if, if we if we confess our sins accurately. If, if 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 there's a long enough season between flagrant sins, whatever it might be, there is oh, Galatians. Tell me you who want to live under the law. Tell me you who want to live under the law. What what Jesus is, 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 is a, what the apostles will eventually point to from this particular passage, Jesus is saying, come and I will be the one to carry the law on your behalf. And as a result, there in the very center of your soul is, is, is someone else has carried the load. Someone else has measured up on your behalf and, and, and now as a result there, there is this possibility of joy rather than being overwhelmed so if this captures your attention it, it's you know the book of Galatians is, is for you and I guess the question is well don't we do it and, and how do we work this well God does it but we do it and how do we work all this out? Well, it's, it's not so much percentages that, that Jesus does 60% or 90% and we do 10 or he does 95 and we do 5. It's, we can perhaps think about it more this way. He does it first. He does it first. He, or the, there's a rhythm to the Christian life that we turn our attention to him, the rest giver. And we see that he is the one who has taken the yoke on, on our behalf. The, you, you see this throughout even the Old Testament. Even, even in the way the Ten Commandments are structured. The Ten, do this, do this, do this, do this, and don't do this. It begins by turning our attention to the rest giver. I am the Lord your God, brought you out of Egypt, Egypt out of the land of slavery, I am your rescuing God. That's, that's the, the, the rhythm in Scripture. What Jesus is saying is, is, don't be striving for rest. Look to the one who gives rest. Look, look at me, he says. And as we look at him, we, we find the one who has done it in himself, in his own body. Martin Luther obviously reckoned with these things for many years in his life. As he got older, perhaps you've heard, heard, heard this, this kind of quote before. In the midst of a very busy day, and he had all kinds of busy days, crazy busy days that were overwhelming, he would say, today I need to pray more. <laughs> Have you ever had a crazy busy day? Spending more time in prayer does not tend to be our instincts. But, but Martin Luther is saying that today I need... I need to take more time to fixate on the one who gives rest. The one who has taken the yoke of the law on himself. So issues of success and failure are no longer the dominant theme of life. Rest has now taken over your failures and successes. The rhythm is we first look to the rest giver we first look to the rest giver and, and until somehow our souls are moved by his gentleness by by his lowliness by his knowing exactly what we need by he knows that we're these this little flock and he has done it all himself and then what do we do we say i'm all in <laughs> And we, we hook ourselves to the yoke and, and we, we seek to live by the Spirit and, 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 and do battle with the flesh. But we do it with a kind of freedom. Not, not as a way to earn merit. It's, it's simply because we have been freed and now we are able to do battle with sin when we were under its yoke before. So two passages that that are just simply trying to capture the the tone of how Jesus speaks to very anxious, very busy people who are feeling like one more thing is is just too much. Takes you for a walk and surprises you with the things he says. He says, Come. Come to a very new system where success and failure is no longer it's no longer how it works. The, the very heart of this new system is you rest in the finished work of another. And, 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 and now out of that, you can, you can enter life in obedience to Christ with a certain eagerness. These are, these are, these are, this establishes the tone for how Jesus speaks to us in the midst of our busyness. Through both of these is is one of the passages is, 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 is a teaching that you find throughout Scripture whenever the Lord speaks to people who feel overburdened. And it's this: I am with you. I am with you. That's that that's that is the critical feature of the walk. I am with you. And and when burdens seem especially overwhelming. He is especially near. And he, he picks up his people. Come. Come closer. Come closer. And, 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 and sort of snuggle right in, right against me. Take my yoke upon you and it's going to shock you. It's going to, be, it's going to, be, it's going to feel like rest and freedom rather than successes or, or failures. And it all is animated by the one who calls our attention to himself and is close to us. This, this might seem very immature to you. Uh, it's the kind of thing I, should have, I should, have, it should have been dear to me my entire Christian life. But over the last year, it's, it's been certainly refreshed. Here's, here's what your God is up to. In life. Is, is obedience what life is about? He calls you to obey. Is dependence what life is about? Is being a child what life is about? Those are all good things. But, but here's the very heart of God. He is he determined that you will be with him in his very house. Enjoying his divine hospitality. That is the mission of God. His his mission is, I am with you. And then it's as if he comes closer and closer and closer. See, our obedience does not somehow earn us something before the Lord. Our obedience... Gives us the privilege of enjoying the nearness that He has intended for us. Let me see, let me see if I can use. Let me use a, a marital illustration. In my relationship with my wife, I have lots of laws. You know, They're there, there biblical laws. You, you're faithful to your spouse. You don't lie, you, 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 you you're circumspect with your tongue, and on and on and on. And then, I don't know what it's like for those of you who are married, but my wife and I have all kinds of sort of idiosyncratic kinds of laws as well. That is, I have to call her at least once a day when I'm at work. Uh, and if I don't call her once a day, then, then our relationship is fractured in some way. And, and, and you see, that law of calling her one, once a day—it's not. Oh yeah, yeah. I got to do this. It's, it's. I am going to. I am going to. I am going to contribute to this closeness that we have, because that's the delight of a marital relationship—to to have nothing, to have no sin that separates, to have a certain this growing unity and togetherness and intimacy. I'm going to call her because it will serve that intimacy. For those of you who are married, you probably have all kinds of other sort of weird laws like that, that uh, they're added to scripture. And no matter how many laws you have, they don't feel like they're burdensome laws. They all serve the purpose of I am with you, and there are no barriers between us, and there is nothing grander than that. Well, what am I doing it? We all know these things. The, this, is ultimately, this is ultimately what God gives to burdened people. Now, he's going to give lots of details. We'll, we'll, we'll review some of those things in, in a little bit later this evening. But they all are surrounded by his very presence. And, and here's, perhaps we can say it this way. You're feeling burdened? You're feeling completely overwhelmed? You're feel, are you feeling alone? Well, he seems to have a particularly unique affection for you because you are the one to whom he says, I am with you. When he speaks to anxious and overwhelmed people, inevitably in the text he will speak of his presence. You know, the Philippians 4 passage that most of you know. Don't be anxious. Instead, in prayer and supplication, you pray. And, and but But of course, the passage begins by saying, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And everything changes. And now you have a reason to begin to jettison anxieties. Because... He has a unique affection for anxious people. They're, they're, like, they're like his favorites, if you will. If you're not familiar with anxiety, you should feel you're left out. If you feel like you have no burdens, you should feel left out. So there, here are two passages. Luke chapter 12, this wonderful walk. This walk and almost through the woods. The second come he has he has done the heavy lifting in our behalf and and now we share the yoke with him and it it's a yoke that feels like freedom all those things from our perspective they're animated by we're these little children and we want to get better at it from his, his perspective they're all animated by i am with you And I'm only going to get closer and closer and closer. Because his plan all along was for you to be as close as as you could possibly be. And off you go to the very mountain of the king. And you enjoy this banquet where he himself has designed it. Because he is committed to, to your protection and to your delight. Psalm 23. One of the reasons is why it's, it's it's it seems to be almost a genetic phenomena where no matter where you were born, you, you know something about Psalm 23 in the midst of in the midst of overwhelming anxieties. Psalm 23, it's it's just another version of Luke 12. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. and On this walk, I will be with you. That's the very centerpiece of Psalm 23. I am with you. And look where the walk goes. The walk goes, the destination, and it was the destination all along, that you would be close to your God and enjoy his divine hospitality forever. So... Uh, these are these are things I, uh, you know, but there's something about remembering them together that that is refreshing to our souls. Most likely, you will you will you will be here for longer than than this particular hour. You'll probably probably be here the second hour. Most of you will be here tomorrow morning. The the challenge with with, with such an experience is, I don't know what it's like for you, but everything becomes sort of gobbledygook after a while. It all sort of gets blended together. And, and sometimes when, when I come home from a conference and my wife hasn't been, been with me, she says, how was the conference? I said, oh, it was great. I said, well, tell me about it. And I said, oh, it, it, was, it was great. It was really good. Uh, well, can you tell me a little bit more? And I said, well, could you give me a little time to think about that one? Because it was It was great. It was, uh, but it's, so one of your tasks is, is, is to consider for a moment now, what, they're, they're, think about it this way, has anything sort of stirred you, nothing, nothing new, has anything in particular stirred you? What you're looking for is, is, is one thing that stirs you. Consider that for a moment. You, you're looking for one thing this evening. Not five things. You're looking for one thing. And it doesn't count if it's for somebody else. So if, you, if you've accumulated something for one of your kids or your neighbor, that's great. But it doesn't count. <laughs> it's still it, one thing for you. So consider that for a moment. And... and and I'll do the same. Have we have just a minute or two before we can take a break. Let me let me think these these myself. I think for me it's I think the first thing that comes to mind is i can't wait to grow to be a kid <laughs> i can't wait to grow to be a, a a younger child more dependent child that's you know what am, what am i doing I'm, i yeah I've, I've thought about these things obviously and but there's there's a lot of different things here what what's the one thing Are that That's probably what I'll tell my wife this evening, because when when I'm away, I have to call her in the evenings too. Uh, so, So I will, I will say, this is could you pray for me for this? I, I want to, I want to be more needy when I grow up. I, I want to be the Adelaide, not at home, who knows everything, but I want to be the Adelaide by the ocean that is just a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> and she knows real well that if it gets above her knees, she's in real trouble. Uh, that's, that's what I, I think that's probably what I'll, I'll tell my wife. That's, that's what I want to do. I, I want to grow in that kind of dependence. That is, that is, that's the, that is somehow the posture of, of the greatest, what, strength? It's, it's, it's the posture by which there's a simplicity to life. And, and so many of those anxieties that we're accumulating, all of a sudden they, they have been divested somehow. Somehow we didn't even know we were casting our cares in the Lord. Let me, me, me ask you one thing. And, and, and feel free just to... I, I don't, we don't have a microphone, but... But um, it's one thing that sticks in your mind. But you ask somebody to pray for, yeah. The busier your day is, the more time you need to spend in prayer. Martin Luther, yeah. The busier your day is. You know, this, having here's the cloud of witnesses. Uh, the uh, the one who the one who was smitten by how Christ has taken the yoke of the law on himself. And and success and failures were no longer the the key dynamic of all life. I need to pray more. <laughs> so that's that one's too advanced for me. I'll I'll wait for another year for that one. <laughs> so, what else? Yeah. And. That he has a and, and, you know, like, just like, again, like every, everything else, it's, it's how, do we, how do we stick with that? How does that, or, or, or should I say, how can that become increasingly sticky in our own souls? <laughs> so it's, it's more and more accessible to us in, in the midst of the difficulties of life. Thanks. Another one or two? Yeah. Yeah, up yeah, Please. I, I um. So I bought this car, uh, and and it was thought it was probably invested all the money I had in this car, and I I was I can't remember where I was going, but I was going on a a little trip that I was I, I just couldn't wait to do, and. And in the first, the first half mile, of probably this 200-mile trip, I was going with some friends. The car, it didn't break down. It, it, it broke. The car broke. It, the ax, the, I was actually on the ground. Uh, the, the axle of the car broke. Uh, and what do you do? What do you do? I, I, and I called my father. And I, I, was, I was 17 at the time. I called my father. And, and he came because it was only half hour. It was only it was only half mile from the house, or so. He didn't have to come far. And he said, "No problem. I'll take care of it." Uh, it was and it was the tone. I didn't know what he was going to do, uh, but he wasn't too worried about it. <laughs> he Said, "Eddie, this is this is. I'll take care of this. I got this one. It's no problem." And and that, that's that's sort of what you're suggesting that. We're taking our cue from the one who we're walking with. And he seems to be okay. <laughs> and he's the one who is, is ultimately responsible for all these things. And he's just, he's just sort of moseying along, taking his time, as if we're the only person in the universe. So, thanks. One more. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, the, it's so counterintuitive. The, these things don't come easy because, because when we're feeling utterly overwhelmed, aloneness is, is the word that is right next to it. We feel like we, feel like we have been abandoned in such a sh- situation. But I guess we'll talk about this a little bit later this evening. What we're doing is we're trying to see accurately. <laughs> and when we see accurately, let me put it this way, our anxieties, our burdens, they become an occasion. They become an opportunity. <laughs> they become an opportunity for us to see more vividly. It's, when, when life is going okay, we are not necessarily moved by the fact that Jesus speaks to us specifically in the midst of hard times. But when hard times are especially overwhelming, the fact that he has us in view with sympathy, never minimizing the struggles that we have. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Good to be with you. It's, it's, the, it's the tone. It's how does he speak. It's, you know, we've talked about what he, some of the things he says. And that's what we're going to specialize in in, in in the next hour. But it's the tone. It's... It's patience. It's, it's knowing that it's really, really hard. It's, it's the high priest who is, who is familiar with the burdens of daily life by his own experience. And, and comes to us with this unique affection. Speaking with humility and lowliness. And consistent gentleness. That's, that's what we're trying to capture. Let me pray. Father, would you, would you emblazon these things, tattoo them in our very souls, that this is who you are. You have, you have identified yourself most fully in the person of Jesus. And, and he is lowly from start to finish. He, in, in, his, in his birth, in his life, uh, in his washing the disciples' feet. And, and here's the one who doesn't lay new burdens on us. But, but the one who comes close and serves us, carries us in the midst of our burdens. Who are we that we would be spoken to in such a way? Who are we that the God of the universe, who you know our frailty, but you also know our sins. Who are we that in the midst of that, you would speak with us with such beauty and, and care? In the name of Christ, amen.